0: What an honor. Thank you so much. So glad you're all here this morning. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible, would you open it up to Mark chapter 1 and verse 1. Mark chapter 1 and verse 1. We're just going to jump right into it. Thank you. I just want to say th- a quick thank you to everybody that's given. Thank you to everyone that's invested in my life over the last um, years and years. If it's hard to believe we've been here in Texas for 14 years, and we've been together um, Seven years, the year I went to college, was when New Day and South Lake Assembly came together. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone that's invested in me and poured into me throughout those years. Mark 1, chapter 1, it says this. It says, this is the beginning of the wonderful news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It starts with Isaiah the prophet who wrote, Listen, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he'll prepare your way. He is a thunderous voice of one who shouts in the wilderness, Prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord Yahweh, and clear a straight path inside your hearts for him. For John the baptizer was the messenger who appeared in the uninhibited region preaching a baptism of repentance for the complete cancellation of sins. A steady stream of people came to be dipped in the Jordan River as they publicly confessed their sins. They came from all over southern Israel, including nearly all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. John wore a rough garment made of a camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and honey of the wilderness. And this is the message he kept preaching. There is a man coming after me who is greater and more a lot more powerful than I am, not even worthy, I'm not even worthy to bend down and untie the straps of his sandals. I've been baptized into water, but he will baptize you into the, whole, into the spirit of holiness, or some translations say into the Holy Spirit and fire. And then it goes on and it tells about how Jesus comes there. This morning, I want to, to just talk about transition for a moment. The moments of transition all come in our lives. We all have these moments and these time periods where there's a shift in our hearts, where there's a shift in our lives, where there's a moving of things, and transition often makes you so reflective, and so I thought, I couldn't help but think about where I was at just in 2012, eight years ago, whenever I went off to college and then have come back, and it feels like that eight years, it's been eight years, and eight is often the number of completion. Today is January 12th, 2020. And I find it interesting that this Sunday marks just over three years on staff at New Day and just over eight years since we've been together, since I I was kind of leaving for college. Pretty wild. Twelve is the the largest number you can say in one syllable, and it's the number of disciples. Twenty is the number of the double portion and halfway to 40, which is significant in the word of God, right? What a great day it is. In my twenty-fifth year too of birth, right? Year fifty is the year of Jubilee. And it's cool that my dad wasn't going it is in year fifty now and I was in year twenty five. It's kinda of cool that halfway the way that it works with sons, fathers and sons. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that cool? If you would have asked me back in twenty twelve where I would be in twenty twenty, I think I would have just laughed. I think I would have laughed and I would have said, 2020 is so far away. I I mean, uh, come on. Like, what? We're going to live in 2020? That's wild. You know, that's unheard of. I would have just laughed and shrugged it off. But I think I was a senior in high school setting my way to going to Southwestern uh, where I would attend for four and a half years. And I would learn about myself and others. And in 2012, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew What I wanted to do with my life. I knew that there was this goal, there was this plan, but I didn't really know who I was in that. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know who I wanted to be. I had a little bit of an idea, a little bit. But when you're 18, it's like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to do this and this and that. It's great to hear Nate over these last couple of years say, oh, I'm going to do this and that and this. And I, we just laugh it and look at each other and go, what's it going to be next week, you know? What's it going to be the week after that? It's so fun, right? You know what you want to do. But I think there's a shift in your 20s that happens. It's what do I want to be. Who do I want to be with my life? What do I want my life to become? And what do I want people to remember me by? And so I've been on this journey of these last eight years, really figuring that out and going, okay, who do I want to be? Not just what I want to do, but who do I want to be in the midst of that? Who do I want to be to God? And so I've figured out kind of over the last eight years, and I'm by no means perfect, by no means do I have it all together, but here's what I know. I know that I'm a son. I know that I'm loved. I know that now I'm filled with my beloved, and his desires are fulfilled in me, according to Song of Solomon 7.10. I'm called a royal priesthood, set apart by God, according to 1 Peter two I'm God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works. I'm God's special possession. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places. I'm accepted in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am all that he says I am. And I learned this from submitting my life to the lordship of Jesus. Because when Jesus is Lord, we know who we are. When Jesus is Lord, we know who we are. And when we know who we are, we know the right path to take. When we know that Jesus is Lord, decisions aren't difficult anymore. They're simple. Because it's I ask the Father, I ask Jesus, I say, which way do I go? Left or right? The fork in the road. The moment of transition, I feel the transition company coming. Which way do I go? What do I do? I ask Jesus because he's my Lord and I walk with Him, and I talk with Him every single day. We read in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you want to turn there, it'll be on the screen. Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is openly declaring your faith that you are saved." Throughout, um, if we confess with our mouth, right, and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we are saved, right? We confess that Jesus is Lord. But I think it's one thing to confess that Jesus is Lord, and it's another thing to live that out with your life and to submit your life to him every single day and say, Jesus, what do you want to do today? Jesus, what way do you want me to go today? Jesus, what... Way do you want me to pray today? Jesus, how do you want me to live today? And I think that it's so important who we are in the midst of that, that we are sons and daughters of God, and we're submitted to him and to what he wants to do, and we're walking with that. Throughout life, we're all asked these questions, you know, throughout, I think throughout different times in our lives, we ask, am I good enough? Who am I? Do I have what it takes? What's my purpose? Perhaps in older age, we can still ask, can I still do it? Do I still have what it takes? I don't have all the answers, but I know that Jesus does. And I know that when Jesus is Lord, these questions become way less daunting. We all have them. When Jesus is Lord, it means there's no more difficult questions. It means that Jesus is in charge of our lives, and we submit our right to decide what we do. We submit our right to decide to be right. We submit our right to go our own way, and we submit ourselves to Jesus and say, Jesus, which way do you want me to go? How do you want me to do that? And I know that it's easy whenever questions and doubts and fears and inconveniences rise up, and they cause us to take our eyes off Jesus. In Matthew, um, where is it? in Matthew, the Jesus uh, is walking in the water. Matthew thirteen, I think it is. Jesus walks on the water, and he Peter says, "Jesus, if if that's you, ask me to come out there." And so Jesus says, "Come out and." Peter gets out of the boat and he's walking on the water and he's walking and he's doing just fine until all of a sudden he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink into the water. It's so easy, right, when we have our eyes on Jesus and we're walking with him and we're talking with him every day, but then doubt comes in or fears or inconveniences come in or we get tired or we, you know, don't feel like it one day or, or something happens, you know, and we're, we're wondering or we're questioning and it's easy to get our eyes off Jesus, but it's so important to put him back on. It's so important to know that he's right there. I, I love to think of, um, in the Bible app, on the on the Apple TV, Sophie loves to watch Peter walk on the water. And it is, it's pretty cool how they do it, cool rendition. But as soon as Peter doubts and he gets his face just underneath the water and he's peeking up and he reaches out his hand and Jesus grabs his hand and like lifts him back up. And it's so interesting to think about what was that moment like when Peter put his eyes back on Jesus. And then Jesus is there for the rest of the time, right? And then Peter does it again. So you don't have to feel bad if you do if it happens to you a couple times. Peter does it again when Jesus goes to the cross and he's crucified. Peter denies Jesus three times. The same man who walked on water denied Jesus again before a little 10-year-old girl. He was that afraid of a 10-year-old? He denied Jesus. Three times he did it. But you know what? Jesus said it's okay. Put your eyes back on me. I'm right here. And he restores him a little bit later. So cool. So cool how he does that. This morning I want to challenge you. Submit your life to the Lordship of Jesus. and Trust him completely with all that you are. And pick up your cross and follow him. When we submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus, we begin a journey of following Jesus. We read, uh, we read earlier in Romans how easy it is to be saved. But to walk it out? It's almost another story because if we decide to walk it out and we get saved and we give our lives to Christ, but then we say we can do it all on our own, then, then it's not easy. It's hard because we're not walking with Jesus. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know about you, but if I asked, if I asked little um, Valerice or, or Cypress, if I asked Cypress to come up, right, and to lift this mic stand, and for us together to carry the mic stand like this, right, and to pull it together, it would be pretty easy if we did it together, right? But if I just give it to him, this heavy end is going to be pretty heavy, and he's not going to be able to do it. Why? Because he's just a child. He's just a baby. He's just 10 months old, right? Or less, Seven months old. He's just seven months old, right? He can't lift that on his own. But yet, how many times do we try to do that? We get saved and we try to lift up the burden of the law. We try to walk in righteousness and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we try to do it on ourselves, but we're just barely seven months old, right? We're just babies. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What they would do with the yoke of oxen to put them together is they would put the wood around both their necks together and they would pull it together. They would pull it Together and in stride with one another. And so when you're in stride with Jesus and you're walking with Jesus every day, it's easier. Because you're with him. And he's carrying the heavy part. He's carrying the load. He's lifting it up, right? His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. It's interesting to note, though, that there still is a burden. Jesus said, no one builds a house without at first counting the cost of how much it will cost. There's a cost in following Jesus. I was reading um, Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest, the other day, and I thought it was so interesting. He said that sometimes, you know, following Jesus and being obedient to God, it's a joy for us to be obedient, but it costs others something. It costs your family something. It costs your, you know, your life something. It costs your pride something. It costs your kids something. It's going to cost other people around you something when following Jesus. I mean, think about Jesus carrying the cross to Calvary, and he's carrying the cross, and he falls down again, and the Romans say, Simon, you, come, carry the cross. Simon was just a bystander on the street, but yet it cost him something for Jesus to follow the Father. It cost the disciples, it cost the disciples' families to follow Jesus and to go after him with all that they were. It cost us something, and it cost those around us something to follow him. And it's so important to remember that, but that burden is light when we're walking in step with Him, and we're obedient to who, he's, who He says to be, and we're obedient to His word and we walk with him. Jesus said, "If you love me, you'll obey my commands." That's so important. John 14:15, "If you love me, you'll obey my commands." He also said in Matthew 28 to go into the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus also said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. It's so good. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, was fully God and was fully man. He lived a sinless life and showed us how we can live Our lives. He died and he emptied hell, and then he rose again three days later so that we can have life and we can have it to the full. He revealed himself for 40 days after his resurrection and then ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, counselor, our empowerment to share with others what he's done and what he's doing in and through us. He sent us the Holy Spirit that we might walk and talk with him once again, like in the days of the Garden of Eden. But even greater, because we're reaching the world and we're bringing others into it. This Holy Spirit is the seal that shows our authority that we have in Christ and reveals our position of being seated with him in the heavenly places. And he helps us walk with Jesus as our Lord. If you read John chapter 16, it's an amazing chapter about Jesus talking to the disciples and saying, this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Listen, I know you guys are sad. I know I'm about to leave. But guess what? The Holy Spirit's coming, and here's everything he's going to do for you. And it's just an incredible chapter. Go check it out. Because when Jesus is Lord, we know who we are, and there's no hard decisions to make because we're walking and we're talking with him. When we submit our lives and we pick up our cross and we follow Jesus, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus with a new divine purpose of following him. He gives us purpose. He speaks to us and says, this is why you're here. This is why you're going through this. This is what's going on in the midst of this. This is why I put you in this job for such a time as this. And he gives us divine purpose. And when we model our life to his, we become disciples, apprentices of Jesus. And we want to live like he lived, walk like he walked, talk like he talked. And we have to ask ourselves, what is Jesus doing? If Jesus were me right now, what would he be doing and how would he do it? If Jesus were a school teacher, what would he do and how would he treat the students? If Jesus were, you know, in whatever situation, if he were the plumber, how would he plumb? Right? If Jesus were you, how would he do what you do? And what is he doing in the midst of what you're doing? How would Jesus treat his in-laws? How would Jesus treat the Iranian bombers? How would Jesus treat the government leaders and authorities? How would Jesus treat the least of these? What about how would Jesus treat the greatest of these? In the midst of crisis, doubts, and fears, it's easy to take your eyes off Jesus, but we must keep our eyes on him. Matthew 14, 23-34 is when Jesus calls Peter to walk on the water and meets him there. We lose our gaze on Jesus, but it's so important to find him in the room. I love it. I was just in a wedding in December, and the the guy who just is a brand newlywed, um, it was so funny, he was... He doesn't mind if I share this. But he's he's like just had a rough day at work. He's getting situated into a new phase of life and just like figuring it out. And you know when you're settling in sometimes there's some burrs and some like thorns you got to cut and like different stuff, right? And so he's settling in and he's getting in there and he's just like, he's just raging. He comes home, he's had a bad day at work and he doesn't like his job. And so he's raging. His wife's like, hey, you need to go find Jesus. You need to, where's he at right now? And he's like, oh. he's like, I'll be fine, I'll be fine, I'm fine, it's fine, I'm good, I'm good. And he decides to make dinner, and so he's cutting and he's making dinner and he's chopping and he chops a little bit too ferociously and he slices his finger wide open. Goes to the ER, luckily his insurance kicked in two days before, but has to go to the ER and is all that, and his wife just looks at him and she didn't say, I told you so, but pretty much she just said, Did you find, have you found Jesus yet? After all this, you need to take a minute and find Jesus. It's so important that we take a minute and we find Jesus in the room because he's there. All we have to do is say, Lord, show me where you're at. God, where are you at right now in the midst of this fight, argument? Where are you at? In the midst of, you know, this car wreck, where are you at? In the midst of this disappointment, where are you at? In the midst of whatever it is, this hospital room, where are you at? And it's so important to take a minute to close your eyes and say, Jesus, where are you right now? And put your eyes and your focus back on him in the midst of that. Get your gaze on Jesus. Ask him where he's at in the room. Find him and keep your gaze on him. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because he's always there. He's always there. He's always there right there with us. We have to walk with him. He's set up. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And you're at the table of the Lord. All you have to do is commune with him every day and just say, God, I want to talk to you. God, I want to know you. Lord, I wanna get my daily bread for the day, right? Jesus teaches the disciples to pray and he says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I think the daily bread is like orders for the day, right? It's like, what do we do today, God? What do you want to do today? Benny Hinn says, Wake up in the morning and say, Good morning, Holy Spirit, and start your day by saying, Holy Spirit, I'm ready. For whatever you have for me today, what's your daily bread for me? What do you want me to walk in today? How do you want me to, to handle these, this life that you've given me? It's so important when we do that. And when we do that, it's so much easier, right? His burden is easy. His, yoke is, his burden is light. His yoke is easy, right? And it's, it's hard sometimes, right? But it's, but it's simple, right? It's not always easy, but it's, but it's simple. When we take a minute and we find him and we walk with him. There's a book, uh, I've never read it, but it's an interesting concept that it's called the three mile an hour God. In the midst of all our shuffle, in the midst of our fast cars and everything and our microwave society and our iPhones and everything, it's so easy to get fast and to get whatever. But Jesus walked. Jesus walked everywhere he went, never in a hurry or a rush. His best friend, Lazarus, is dying in John chapter 4. And yet, Jesus says, we'll stay a couple more days. Not for my benefit, but for you guys, so you can see the glory of God. And then he walks the miles. He walks a couple miles to their house four days later. And Lazarus is raised from the dead. So important to walk with Jesus. To slow down and listen to his voice. You have an opportunity today to do just that. Maybe you've been in confusion and doubt for a while. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've been saved for a while, but you've still held on to some things of your past. You've still got your gaze elsewhere instead of on Jesus. Maybe you don't walk with him daily. Maybe you haven't said, God, give me my daily bread in a long time. Maybe you haven't sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just want to tell you today today is the day. There's no better day than today to make Jesus Lord and to begin to live with him. Would you stand with me all over the room? If you're going to be baptized, we're going to ask you to go to that back door right there on the right. There's a little door that you can go in and they're going to get ready for that. But with every eye open and people looking around, I want to ask you, because it's important right when you make Jesus the Lord of your life it's so important it's the most important decision you can ever make in your life and it's life transformation and it's changing the bible says if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation the old things have passed away the new have come and i think i wonder today if there's anybody in the room that's never said yes to Jesus there's anybody in the room that's never said, God, I want to follow you with my whole heart, with my whole life. I want to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead three days later. Is there anybody in the room that would say that they've never given their life to Christ, but they want to do that today? If there's anybody, would you just slip up your hand? Would you just raise your hand? And I'm going to have the people around you just pray with you. Is there anybody? No? Cool, cool, cool. Awesome. Is there anybody in the room today that would say, I have given my life to Jesus, but it's been a long time, and, and I honestly haven't been walking with Jesus as Lord. I haven't been walking with Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I haven't been walking with him daily. And I want to do that today. I want to dedicate my life today, and I want to say, you know what? I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to get my focus back on Jesus and walk with him. Is there anybody that would do, say that that's me? Would you just put up your hand? Anybody, anybody, anybody. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. The last thing then today then is this. Is, is there anybody in here that says, I haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit? I haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit. May I repented? We read in Mark chapter one that, right, John the Baptist came with a baptism of repentance and then Jesus comes with a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. And so you want that baptism of the Holy Spirit to walk out your salvation, to walk out that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, to walk it out. Is there anybody that would say, that's me. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Would you slip up a hand? Anybody, anybody? Hey, that says, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No? Cool. Okay. One last thing then. Is there anybody that, else that wants to be baptized? You didn't, you didn't sign up to be baptized, but after today you're like, okay, I want to do it. Anybody? We have shorts, extra shorts for you. No? Okay, cool. Praise God. Then let's pray, and then they're going to do, they're going to baptize. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would speak to each one of us. God, that you'd help us to walk with you, God, every single day. God, you'd help us to seek you, God, and to get our daily bread. Lord, you have called us, Lord according to your purposes, Lord. And I just pray that you'd speak to people this morning. God, you'd break off confusion and doubt, God, and fear, and you'd help us to find you in the room. Help us to set our eyes on you, Jesus, to pray and to seek your face. God, help us to know your heart, Lord, and to walk with you, to walk in love. God, and know what it means to be a disciple. Lord, we thank you for making disciples in us. God, for making disciples through us, God. Help us to walk with you every day, God. Help us to seek your face, God. We love you so much, Jesus, and we thank you for all that you're doing in and through us. Lord, we pray that we would be disciples that signs follow. Your word says that signs follow those that believe, that they'll heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Lord, we just, and raise the dead. Lord, we pray that we would see it in Jesus' name in our day. God, we want to walk in your way, the truth and the life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.